it's three letters. It's one word. Mm-hmm. And the word is ACT. Hmm. The acronym is Action Changes Things. Yeah, I like that. Just stay with that and more will be revealed. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Jeff Mara podcast. Tonight, we have an amazing guest. His name is Dan Williams. Dan survived open heart surgery where his life was revived multiple times during the operation and came back to life. He was also a USA ranking master's track athlete receiving all American honors from the United States Track and Field Association. And tonight we are going to try to get Dan's story and how he can inspire us to live a better life. Dan, thank you so much for joining me. I really, really appreciate it. Jeff, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. And your audience. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I want to hear all about what happened to you. So when you were about to have heart surgery, what year was that and what was going on for you? And maybe you can lead us through that. Yeah. Good question for context. So it was December of 2012. All right. That was the, uh, that was the infamous Christmas that I spent um, recovering and almost not being able to uh, be around to have this interview tonight. So December, 2012. And, you know, there's uh, you know, the short version is that I, I did have heart issues 10 years earlier and had a stent put in and, mm-hmm. you know, a stent is um, not, you know, it's not invasive per se. It's not open heart surgery. They go in and, you know, unclog artery, arteries. And um, so I did have, I mean, there's, you know, some, some heart history in my family mm-hmm. uh, and the three components of, of as experts and physicians have shared with me of, you know, how do you, what contributes to a heart attack? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the three main drivers uh, would be your diet, uh, your exercise routine, and stress. Yeah. Uh, I take that back. Diet and exercise are kind of combined into one. So it'd be diet and exercise, stress, and then heredity, you know, your, your genes and your, your, your heritage, and that gets passed down, and that's that you can't control. So I did have some experience with it because back in 2003, I had wasn't in a good diet. I wasn't in exercising, not much. Um, and I was under a tremendous amount of stress. And um, so the two that you can control, I did have some experience with. Um, and that's even with running back in my late 20s and early 30s, three marathons. Oh. So, you know, I had been in fit. I knew what it was to have an active lifestyle, but life happens. And so over my 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, um, I started to um, slide back into old habits. And in December of 2012, I had, um, I had a heart attack. It wasn't, you know, there's different gradations. um, And the, the heart cardiologist I went into, I'm a, I'm a, a veteran mm-hmm. and I went into the Martinsburg veterans hospital, which is my primary care. 
And, uh, and then that's when they let me know I had pneumonia at the time. I thought it might have been pneumonia or something. going. They said, no, you have pneumonia, but you also have, just had a heart attack. So I, um, I was in Martinsburg for a week in their ICU unit waiting to be uh, admitted to the D.C. Veterans Hospital where they do the cardiac op, um, procedures. Mm-hmm. So at that time, you know, I made reference to an earlier stent. They said, I think we're just going to need to stent you up. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, not at that point. I said, well, that that works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, I, Jeff, I went in as a. I went in thinking I was going to be an outpatient, but I became an inpatient because during that stent procedure, um, I had multiple heart attacks on the table. Now I'm unconscious, right? They, right. They, they do they put do put chest. I have multiple heart attacks on the stent table. Now this is all relayed to me later on. Uh-huh. I was um, the cardiologist, as the story was relayed to me, called up to the main heart surgeon and said, you know, it was one of these Houston, we have a problem type calls. I mean, and just had his hands up and said, I, I, I need to get you down here because I don't know what to do with this patient. Mm-hmm. And uh, they ballooned me up, meaning that they did get a balloon into the vessels that night to just keep me alive and, you know, sedated and till a nine hour, hour operation the following day. Uh, of which I, you know, one of my friends asked how I was doing um, or how I did. And he goes, well, I've already lost them twice on the table. So mm-hmm. that was, you know, um, and now it had to be revived. So that that operation was um, was one thing and pretty serious. And I wasn't going in thinking that, that was going to be the, the process. Um, and I woke up, uh, Jeff. I didn't wake up. I was awakened um, five days later. Mm. My ri- wrists were tied to the bed rails. I was intubated. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had no clue where I was at. Mm-hmm. I was scared. Uh, scared to say I was scared would be an understatement. I was I was terrified and uh, could not speak. And, you know, typically when they when you, when you, one of my daughters, I have four beautiful daughters and one of them asked, um, uh, well, the doctor shared, well, I never operate with anyone in one of three conditions, just had heart attack, has pneumonia or um, was a third condition uh, on blood thinners. And then, you know, so I had all three. And so my daughter, mother's daughter, four of them were consulting with the doctor. He said, well, doc, why did you operate on my dad? I mean, if you don't operate on any one of those three, mm-hmm. he said, I had he said, I had no choice. Your dad was going to die. Mm. So through a courageous heart surgeon and prayers and, uh, and being graced by, um, by God, I am in extra innings and um, sharing my story, New Heart for Life, or that's mm-hmm. part one of the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was your diet and um, your physical fitness level leading up to this before this happened? I mean, you said you slipped back into old habits. Can you be a little bit more, you know, uh, I guess descriptive about it? Like, were you just eating whatever and you completely stopped exercising and what was going on? Yeah, so it was um, on a scale of one to 10, you know, 10 being where I was at previously with, you know, my marathoning. Mm -hmm. I was at a a one 
0.5 or two. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in sales leadership positions, um, and which carries its own set of stress. I um, I wasn't eating properly. I didn't, and you know, I wasn't very conscious. I felt like I was Teflon man, I guess, mm-hmm. and I was in denial, uh-huh. and you know, thinking, well, you know, I've been in shape before, and I've run three marathons, so, mm-hmm. and that's a message for the audience and for everybody that right. you know nobody's immune from this. And heart attack is is you know can be binary. I mean, it's you know cancer, you know. Um, takes a lot of us and our families and we all can relate. Um, but when you have a heart attack, it, you sometimes, a lot of times don't get a second chance. Yeah. So I was just thinking, you know, I was just some, I was just in denial and kind of in my own little world uh-huh. with, um, with not, not, um, not subscribing to what, um, others were suggesting. Right. So how has your diet changed now? Yeah. So my whole lifestyle has changed. Mm-hmm. I, uh, took, um, I did recover, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in terms of just, you know, after the heart surgery and a month in the hospital and, you know, going through that process and, you know, it was about three months. No, I went back to work within a month and a half. So mm-hmm. I did try to get back into the game. Mm-hmm. And then, um, uh, the asterisks on that story, is that I fell back into my old habits. You oh. thought I would have broke the code. So for about another two years, three years, I started sl- backsliding. You know, can you believe it? Like, hello, you know, mm-hmm. what is this? What is, you know, what does this guy need? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've already sent this message, right? right. And um, so, you know, to answer your question, Jeff, um, I I made a decision. Let me let me retract that. I was at the dinner table one night mm-hmm. and I was not feeling good about myself. And I often talk about with principles of fitness, um, you know it when you know it and an inner voice, you know, will and the committee will talk to you. Um, you try to shut that committee up, but they're there. And I knew that I was really creeping back into um, another incident where I may not get a second chance. And a voice came to me one night after I pushed myself back from the dinner table. And that voice said as clearly as we are having this conversation tonight, Danny, you are going to die. Hmm. What are you doing? You've been graced with a gift so freely. And here you are right back into your old habits. And it was at that profound moment that that was my bottom. My bottom was not the heart attack and the, and the recovery mm-hmm. and the near death experiences. It was that voice and me knowing that you know it when you know it. Hmm. And at that point in time, I made a decision to reconnect with my passion for running. Oh, and I started walking for five minutes, which led to 10, mm-hmm. which led to 20, mm-hmm. jogging for 10, which led to 20 and then 30. Mm-hmm. I came across in one of the, one of the, um, what I talk about when you make that decision, which is a, you know, the first principle in the 21 fitness principles mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting out there in terms of uh, video inspiration and you know mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm the poster child here's <laughs> what not to do mm-hmm. um once you make that decision 
the universe opens up and right. things will come your way that you, you know, and with fitness or with anything in life, you know, is you don't have to have it all figured out and understood. All I did was make it a decision that I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. And that I wanted to rekindle my fitness program with running, which was my passion. And once that happened, I came across um, shortly thereafter a master's track team. Mm-hmm. Now, master's for the audience is anyone over 50. Um, I'm proud to um, share. This is the only sport where you really brag about your age as you get older. Mm-hmm. I turned um, 71 yesterday. Oh, wow. <laughs> Happy belated birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So 71. So I'm in the, you know, last year was a big deal because that put me in the 70 to 74 year old mm-hmm. master's track group, mm-hmm. but master's is athletes over master's athletes over 50 years old mm-hmm. and uh, got a coach got teammates. And now in a long way around the picnic bend to answer your question, my habits with eating and lifestyle, um, I've never felt healthier. I've never felt more vibrant. I've never felt more alive. Um, and part of that is certainly the dedication and the commitment to uh, training and competing nationally and internationally. Mm-hmm. But it's also, as I share this message and story, that your body will crave the things that it desires and it mm-hmm. needs. Mm-hmm. And so my fitness nutritional diet is mm-hmm. you know i i used to love sweets i still you know you know they're still they still talk to me sure uh, i don't do ice cream anymore i don't do soda not because i've got this great amount of willpower <laughs> i don't i don't have much willpower mm-hmm. um it's it's because jeff um that your body really will start to regulate itself and take in the things that will uh, will match where your fitness level is do you mostly run marathons? Is that the type of running you do? Do you do a lot of long distance jogging? Yeah, great question. And because <clears throat> the way I've described it, you, you might think that I, I would. Uh, my marathon days are gone. Okay. Um, I, uh, I joke that on a good day, uh, when I'm feeling really good, I can drive 26.2 miles without taking a break. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've done is when I was in was when I was in school and um, I was also blessed with some speed. I ran 400 meters. So what I've now what I now compete in my niche is the 200 and 400 meters. Obviously, you don't know anything about me. We've never met before, and for the audience, I've never met Dan before. He doesn't know much about me. Um, besides doing podcasts, I am a licensed chiropractor, and I'm I into fitness, into diet. So I have a pretty good background on this. Have you heard of the peak ache exercise? And if so, do you practice that? I haven't. Share it with me. What the peak ache exercise is that you do a cardiovascular exercise, either sprinting or on a spin bicycle or some kind of those multiple stair. It's like a stair climber with hands for Mm. 30 seconds. And then you walk for 90 seconds Hmm. Hmm. and you do that eight times. And I guess it puts your body in this kind of confusion, fight or flight state. Hmm. But if you can Hmm. really on that 30 seconds pump, you know, work out as hard as you can. I mean, just full, you know, full speed, crank it. 
get your blood circulating and put a lot of effort into it. You do all this eight Mm. times. That's why it's peak eight. But the research Mm. shows that you will get much more benefits from that, Mm. which is what, what's the time come out? Uh, that's a minute and a half times eight. What is that about? Uh, I don't know, 13 minutes or something like that. Um, anyways, you'll get much more benefit out of that than you would jogging for a half hour. This is really interesting. I'm going to research the term and then we've got some conversation around it. What is the time frame? So when you're doing these, these bursts, how long uh, is it recommended in the PK that you do that well it's 30 seconds is what i can remember 30 seconds. it's okay. a 30, 30 second seconds. sprint and then you you go from you don't stop you just kind of stop sprinting and walk for 90 well and then you have to keep a stopwatch with you and i'm kind of on the lazy side and I, that's kind of one of the exercises i do so i know that i'm not going to run as hard as i can but i run uphill Okay. So I'm running okay. up a hill, so it's forcing me to, <clears throat> you know, to put out a, quite a bit of effort, and then I just walk down the hill, and yeah. I'll do that this eight is, times. This is educational, and it's also encouraging, mm-hmm. because what um, what what we do at practice, and what I started with Masters Track is something similar, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I've re- I didn't re- I didn't. Uh, connect with the term peak eight, mm-hmm. but I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the peak eight. Mm-hmm. I, I connected with, and what we do is um, hit. Mm-hmm. Familiar with hit? I'm not familiar yeah. with that, but there may be okay. the similar but different terminology. Yeah. So we're we're sharing we're sharing kind of the same um, basis. Hit is high intensity interval right. training. Yeah, that's it. It's the same thing, basically. Right. Yes. Same thing. Yeah. And so, and you're right, and and you are so right and spot on because what what we do is I, you know, we'll run 200, 200 meters. Mm-hmm. Now I've had different variations of this, and I've learned to try to adapt because mm-hmm. I've overdone it. But I used to do when I first started. Of course, this is part of the principle is mm-hmm. baby steps, but are mm-hmm. are kind of going phases. I we were we our practice would be ten two hundred, so we would run a two hundred meter. Mm-hmm. Uh, 200 meters and the time you know would be anywhere between um, 40 and 38 to 42 43 seconds and for 200 meters and then we would walk at 200 meters right so and then that was actually a little too much I I then got under a coach you Mm -hmm. know a real skilled coach who Mm -hmm. understood technique he understood Mm -hmm. more of the masters and now our hit or PK um, is more like three one fifties, three two hundreds. He really is pretty more conservative. Now we do drills mm-hmm. uh, before practice and, and other things, but mm-hmm. that intensity of raising that heart level, and um, and I love the fact that you shared that you do it on hills yeah. because <laughs> that's the lazy um, man's way. <laughs> no, it's not. It, it, you know, just with this, you know, lockdown that we're in, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I came across some trails in our neighborhood that, you know, this is kind of one of the things like never right in my neighborhood. And it's, um, it reminds me of our cross country days, but it's a, it's a hill incline. Um, it's about, uh, 90 meters. Right. So, and it's all on kind of chip wood. I mean, it's just perfect. And so my interval training now, I will do some out at the track, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm really enjoying the hill interval training Yeah, because 
um, a 90 meters is probably equal, I don't know, um, to 150 or 200 meters, but I'm really enjoying that because mm -hmm. it does get that bud, uh, blood pumping and, and mm -hmm. uh, it's a beautiful exercise. <laughs> and it's also, it's intense, but it doesn't have a longevity to it. I mean, right. I just, you know, yeah, bo jogging for me is boring. Yeah. I don't like to jog, uh, do it to warm up, but, and I'm, I'm past the days of running any kind of distance. So it's uh, it's short and sweet and the rewards are um, just unbelievable. Yeah. I also think that it's, you know, long distance running, you know, it can be, I'm not saying it is for everybody, but can be kind of, I think long-term hard on your body, on your knees. Mm -hmm. And some people oh, even yeah. say it's even hard on your heart. Yeah, yeah. I know. So I don't know. Here's another interesting thing I want to ask you. And since you have a running coach, I heard this. I'm not a professional runner, not even close to being, but I, I think I heard this in school. They did this for the Olympic athletes that your muscles will only fire so fast and that's it. So your speed mm. is only a certain speed. But I heard that what they did for the Olympics is to get people to run faster than they normally could. And to retrain them is they would have them run a downward slope. Mm. Mm. So they would actually, you know, that would put them at running faster than they could on a flat mm. plane, right? Exactly. To kind yeah. of like reset the muscles. Do you know anything about that or have you ever trained that way? It's the first time I've heard it. Um, and I do know that, that running downhill, I mean, back to the marathoning days, uh, you know, you would think – is, is more, is uh, more strenuous on your muscles and knees than running uphill. Yeah. And it takes a lot of effort to brace and to, you know, keep your balance and whatnot. Yeah. But I never have heard that. Um, it's an interesting concept and I'll run it by my coach. Yeah. Uh, this, and he's a technician. I mean, he, he's, he's very technical yeah. and he talks about, um, you know, when we do our drills, uh, and this is something I was just not, I was oblivious to before I got under his guidance. You know, he says, we do a set of drills and he talks about, you need, and, and as a chiropractor and with, you, with your background, you can sure relate to this. Um, he says, what it does, it, it turns on your nervous system. It alerts your nervous system that you're about to get ready to do something, you know, so that's where you kind of help stay uninjured and get your body kind of like, you know, send signals mm -hmm. literally and rewire your nervous system. Um, but I will ask my coach about that mm -hmm. in terms of increasing speed. I do know there's slow twitch muscles, you know, for a long distance runner and there's fast twitch muscles mm -hmm. and your speed. I always felt that, you know, you lose speed as you, as you age. <laughs> I, I can tell you, mm -hmm. I, I can tell you firsthand that happens. Yeah. <laughs> I ran a 50, um, let's call it a 50.5 second, 400 meters when I was a senior in high school. Mm -hmm. uh, 58 seconds is the world record right now in my age group. Wow. Can so, you tell me specifically what are you doing as far as diet wise? Are you doing any kind of certain regimen, especially for your training? So um, at present time, I'm in a pretty good routine of um, – Two cups of coffee. I mean, and I'm not this, you know, it just happens. This is kind of like the routine I fell into. And you could tell me if it's good, bad, or indifferent. I know it's better than what I was doing before, which was not even, you know, paying attention to it. But I have, uh, I've, I've uh, 
ritual of a couple bananas in the morning, love, love bananas, um, and uh, spread a couple cups of coffee over um, an hour, hour and a half. And then I'll have um, cereal with blueberries. You know, that's my staple. Mm-hmm. My, uh, my, my, one of my four daughters, my, my, I can't say she's my baby anymore, mm-hmm. my little girl. Um, well, they're all my little girls. She bought me blueberries yesterday mm-hmm. um, with the mask on and a bub and a balloon and, mm-hmm. you know, and had blueberries attached to it. Mm-hmm. So I uh, love blueberries and, mm-hmm. um, and some uh, nascent, uh, raisin nut bran, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's a staple. And then my wife um, makes an unbelievable salad, unbelievable. And so we have salad pretty much, you know, 60, 70% of the time. Mm-hmm. And she's also is the only person that I know that can grill salmon mm-hmm. without and have it come off the grill. Um, perfect. You know, not too dry, you know, not stay, you know, so we do um, salmon, we do salad and, uh, and chicken. We do a lot of chicken. All right. I was just seeing if there was any kind of anything specific, like, okay, I've really cut my carbs or, I'm eating a certain amount of protein. Most people probably don't get this unless they meet him or happen to know quite a few, but I happen to meet over time quite a few professional bodybuilders and mm. or people who are trying to turn pro. But those people seem to be the most knowledgeable on nutrition than anybody I know mm. because they yes. know how to really yes. either pack on the protein and pack on the weight, then to have right. to strip it all down to get super lean for their showings and all that stuff. Right. And, um, right. One of the things I was just curious if there was anything maybe your coach had on you, any type of specific diet that you needed that would help you run faster. Uh, not specifically to run faster. One of the things coach, oh, I mean, you know, is, is kind of like the obvious, but he will always remind us to hydrate during the day. Yes, that's great. Always hydrate. So on your website, it's newheartforlife.com. You have four fitness principles, and I believe you have in the works for a, a bunch more. Would you mm-hmm. mind sharing some of those principles with us? No, I'd be happy to. So it's New Heart with the number four, life.com, and then at the very top it says 20, 21 uh, fitness principles. Uh, and then in parentheses, in a word. So they're one word principles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've got um, – there's four of them that are visible right now. I've um, in an editing process with um, up to 15 and I've got, uh, I'll have the whole 21 series completed and up on YouTube, but the first four um, will be representative of, of, of what's to come the audience. Uh, the first one is decide. Oh. And we talked about that, right? Once right. you make the decision, then universe opens up and um, but that decision also has to come from deep within, you know, it's gotta be something that you do for yourself, something that is, you know, at a time when we've all had these pivotal seminal moments. Um, So the decision is not something where you go, Hey, I think I'll just go out and get fit. Um, It for it to be sustaining. It has to, um, it has to, um, have some meaning and some depth for it because if not, it's hard to sustain it. Um, so decide is uh, the first principle. Uh, the second one is goals. 
And I talk about that if you don't know where you're going, you're probably going to end up someplace else. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's all kinds of, of, of passages or phrases like that. But I believe in Stephen Covey's seven habits, habits of highly successful people. And habit number two is begin with the end in mind. And so having a goal is really important. And I stress uh, and give some examples of some of the goals that I had. And my first goal was in the, in the cardiac ICU unit and around Christmas time, right? So in December, there was an artificial Christmas tree, Jeff, at the end of the hallway. And in the hospital after any kind of a procedure, especially in heart, and especially with pneumonia, because they want to prevent pneumonia, they want you to walk and they want you to get up. And, and uh, my first goal was to walk to the end of the hallway and do a lap around <laughs> that artificial Christmas tree. And once I got back, you know, it took me about four hours just to get myself back together. So have goals and they can be small in baby steps. In fact, the smaller the goals, the better. Because the mind, you know, the mind is 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 our worst enemy. It's my worst enemy in terms of, you know, the committee wanting to stay in its comfort zone and the mind will start to, when there's a big goal out there and we'll start to talk us down from that. Certainly it's been my experience. So if you make small goals and I allude to my goal in the fitness principle, number two, that I just tying up my shoelaces, you know, the mind recognizes that, Hey, this doesn't seem like too much of a threat. So I shouldn't have to do too much chatter about why we shouldn't do this and hang around in our comfort zone. So Coles is, is number two. Uh, number three is consistency. Consistency that in order to a principle that, you know, is true in track fitness, podcasting, chiropractic, practice that you're doing you know you've got to be in order to build trust in order to build a reputation in order to really get the most out of things in life and in sports you have to be consistent and i talk about the 2190 rule um 21 days to form a habit wow. 90 days to adapt the lifestyle so it takes time to get yourself into a rhythm and a cadence in order to, to have consistency. And then number, number four would be uh, routine. And routine is the emphasis with routine is, and this again is not something that comes from a book. I wrote these principles reflecting back on the mistakes that I had made and some of the you know, and downs. So I kind of, kind of, went, well, what did I do wrong? And routine is um, the, the main underscore to that principle is that it takes your, again, mind out of the equation, that it allows you to just focus on what you're supposed to be doing for that particular day. We talked about the, the peak eight, right? Mm -hmm. So your routine is I'm going to do eight of these. I'm going to do them at 30 seconds, and then I'm going to um, walk for a minute and a half. Right. Well, you know, once you get to six and you feel like quitting, well, can't do it. I got to do eight. Right. So that kind of consists, that kind of a routine helps you just to stay focused 
uh, on what you're supposed to do and takes your mind off of, you know, well, should I be doing it? You know, should I not be doing it? And so routine is um, critically important with the caveat of be focused on a routine, but be flexible. I mean, if, if, in, in, if you're running, you know, um, up that hill and, you know, you, I don't have to tell you, I'm <laughs> preaching to the converted and, and this is your, your, your expertise. Um, but if you feel a, a twinge and some pain, know your body yeah. and then, you know, don't, don't do the last two, you know, right. I mean, stop, stop. And, you know, and it's better to be on the conservative side. So routine is very, very important. And our coach um, has us um, show up for practice at a certain time. We uh, stretch, we jog a couple laps, we do those drills. Uh, then he moves us into some interval hit type peak training. Uh, then we do a war- warm down striders you know, which is, you know, flushing out the lactic acid, mm-hmm. you know, with, you know, not at the speed that you're doing with uh, the peak. Um, and then um, some stretching and we head home. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, you know, it takes the, you know, it takes, it, it really does help get into that habit and allows you to, um, to take the, uh, the thinking out of it. But with the sensitivity of the routine does have to be adjusted based on your, you know, on your health. And, and that's where you need coaches and mm-hmm. chiropractors. Um, mm-hmm. I've used chiropractors for my experiences um, with track and they, they told me you need to start to do some, some stretches in this area or you're going to re pull that muscle. So, okay. um, so those are, those are the first four. And there's, I really like those. And I think, you, you know, you could apply those to any part of life, not just fitness. Exactly. Right. You know, I think they're great, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the 21 principles. Now, I believe that you already have these four principles in video format on your YouTube channel. That's also yes. New Heart Number Four for Life. Is that correct? Right, yeah. right. Yeah, the easiest way to get to it, if you go to newheartforlife.com, it, the first uh, link up there will be 21 Fitness Principles, and then click on that link, and it'll take you to the YouTube channel. Right. Um, and then there's some other information out there um, if you choose to um, review it. But that will take you right. It, it's actually I've created a playlist. So, you know, I've kind of learned <laughs> over the last couple of months in this mm-hmm. period of, of lockdown, um, kind of gone to school in this. But it's a it's a playlist. Mm-hmm. So it will actually from one to two to three to four. And then as I, as I turn on the other principles, more to come And If you subscribe, then you'll be alerted as the next principles um, are, are launched. Yes. Just be sure to hit the notification bell once you subscribe. Oh, good tip. Thank you. I got a question here. Uh, After your experience, do you feel that you interact with people differently after your heart attack experience? Wow. Uh, thank you for the question. Um, never, never had that one before. I think that I do because I, I am less, I mean, I have to call myself on this, you know, I'm less arrogant. Uh, I'm less, I'm more humbled, I'm more in tune with just how precious life is and how fleeting it can be. And so it has given me a sense of, of, just being more uh, aware of 
my interactions with people and that um, you never know when you're going to have a last conversation with somebody. Mm -hmm. And it's also just being in shape and being fit has allowed me to, um, to be a role model for my daughters and family Mm -hmm. and to be able to be centered. And there's so many benefits that come from fitness to be centered and to be more aware and as best I can. And this is something I always try to work on is actively listen. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's had a number of, of benefits now that I reflect on it of um, interacting with people. What about if you are, you encounter people that are angry and hateful and maybe that's also, I want to consider not only your interaction with them and does that kind of tie that into managing your stress? Wow. Um, so I think that part of my lifestyle has been not a direct result of fitness per se, but just learning the hard way to create boundaries mm-hmm. and, um, and that if somebody is acting out and they're acting out in a hateful way in a condescending way or a way that, you know, just, you know, pushes my buttons. Um, I tried to, um, one of the gadget tricks that I've learned along the way is I try to observe it like a movie. You know, I mean, if there's, you know, a violent movie going on, you know, I don't take it personally, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I try to just observe it as a movie and I've learned that restraint of tongue and pen mm-hmm. <laughs> or text, right, uh, has really, really come in handy. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I say that uh, simple, but not easy. But what, those are some of the things that I try to do the best I can when I come across somebody that is angry because it's the tip of the iceberg. They're not, you know, it's, you don't know what that person has gone through or what they're living through. Um, so I try to observe those when I can and practice those, those tips. Yeah, I, I I like that. You know, I mean, I I would agree with exactly what you're saying. I think it's great. Okay, so uh, you're working on finishing the 21 um, principles videos. Are you working on anything else that uh, you'd like people to know about? Yes. Um, you know, once once those are all done, uh, I'll repurpose. I'll repurpose. There's a tremendous amount of content in those. And, and, and I think the way that we absorb content right now and is we're all in overload mode, right? Yeah. So, you know, uh, there's, so I will, I will um, start to repurpose bits and pieces of those videos as we have yeah. during this um, interview. And um, that'll be my second phase, okay. you know, and I'll start to take pieces out because it's repetition and you want to try to make it, you know, the principles of marketing that I've learned uh, from my sales and marketing background is that people want to receive information that's useful, that's relevant, and that's personalized, mm-hmm. you know, and not drink from a fire hose. So what I will do is start to take those and then start to personalize them and to try to be relevant and have it be useful so that, um, <clears throat> you know, there's the different nuggets can help apply to each, each, you know, to each individual's lives as best we can. 
Uh, and that's going to be an effort in itself. Uh, but the content will then allow me. I've written a book in my previous, you know, previous years, not on fitness, it was about networking, people to people networking. Yeah. And I, I can tell you, writing a book is, you know, you can't, you know, it's useless unless you, you know, unless you're, unless you really got a publisher like Simon and Schuster, which I didn't have. So having a intentional marketing campaign of trying to find the right groups with the right message will be um, where I'll take those 21 principles. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to start to do, um, I'm doing a lot of podcast interviews mm -hmm. um, as the one we're doing right now. And uh, I'll start to repurpose those, you know, bits and pieces of those. Uh -huh. And, um, and then as I say, during one of my principles of um, fitness in life, and actually to your point, Jeff, mm -hmm. networking, <laughs> I used, I had the subtitle of my book was on networking was networking like life is a process, not an event. Mm -hmm. when, now it's fitness like life is a process, not an event. Mm -hmm. But I will, uh, as, as that process goes, one of my nuggets that I share with people is, um, God, what is one of the nuggets I share with people? Uh, oh, <laughs> it's more will be revealed. Huh. So I don't know exactly what phase three will look like, and it will start to evolve. Mm -hmm. And through perhaps this interview, maybe somebody contacts me, mm -hmm. maybe you've given me some thoughts and mm -hmm. some suggestions. So I'm, I'm keeping my mind open to um, what phase three might look like. Yeah, it leaves a little bit of mystery when you put it like that. More will be revealed. You know, it's interesting that you said that about books. I uh, had a guest on about a month ago that was is an author that has written 24 books. Hmm. But one thing he happened to say, which I found fascinating, was that it's much harder to market a book than to write the book. Like writing Bingo. the book is easy. Marketing the book is difficult. Bingo. That's a, I, I mean, I've experienced that, but I, I, that's the... He's nailed it. You can only experience. I mean, he he's, he knows it. It's it's yeah. uh, build it. You know, build it. And uh, and one of the I don't get up on it. One of the chapters in my networking book uh -huh. was um, field of dreams. I uh -huh. take it off there, but it's about that same concept. Build it, and they will come. No, that's uh -huh. not how the movie played out. Right, right. <laughs> Kevin Costner had to go out, you know, and Annie had, you know, his wife supported him, so they had to bring people in. So build it and they will come. Ain't happening. Right, right. I totally agree. All right. Before we wrap it up here, can you share with us or share with the audience uh, one last message? Okay. Uh, I'll keep it simple, you know, to, you know, try how to walk the talk in terms of, you know, nuggets and I'll, it's three letters. It's one word. Mm -hmm. And the word is act. Huh. The acronym is action changes things. Yeah. I like that. Just stay with that and more will be revealed. That's great. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And Dan, thank you so much for spending an hour with me. I really appreciate it. I wish you massive success with your YouTube channel, with your website, and anything else that you're involved with. Well, thank you, Jeff. I've, I've just really, you know, um, as not even a side note, just these types of interviews um, during this time period and allowing me to get to know 
folks like yourself mm-hmm. that are passionate in terms of a platform for getting messages out and the conversation mm-hmm. and the relationships that form. I, I, um, I thank you so much for inviting me on mm-hmm. and um, to your and your audience's new heart for life. Thank you. All right, Dan, have a good evening. Thank you, Jeff. Bye-bye.